You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. And welcome to the Alouette's Flight Deck podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I'm Cliffy D, and I'm joined, as always, by the one and only Tim Capper. Hey! Well, greetings and salutations to everybody. Oh, man. How are you? I'm doing good. How's uh, how's you doing? How, how was your bye week? Uh, actually, it was kind of boring. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, man, it, it, it's so bad. Like, you, you think bye weeks, okay, there's a chance to relax, try to take your mind off football, think about other things, uh, or even just enjoy football without worrying about having like a, a, a vested interest in a, in a team or anything like that. Like Just to be able to enjoy the game itself. And yeah, you can do that sometimes, but when you don't have a, like a rooting interest or someone to, like when you have a dog in the fight, so to speak. Yeah, yeah it's kind of Even it's the NFL tough. preseason, even the NFL preseason was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, college football started up and boy, Oh, I, I, tell I you missed what. the game. I missed the game. Yeah. I missed the Alabama Duke game. I did miss that there. That's my, that's my college team. So. Oh, roll tide. Yeah, I know I missed that game, but then again, it was only versus Duke. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't a basketball game. So no, <laughs> No, no, not not at all. I mean, yeah, I mean, we could have watched uh, the who is it? Uh, who did Georgia Southern beat? Tennessee. Uh, Georgia State actually. Sorry, beat Georgia Tennessee. State. Yeah, that Sun Belt Power, Georgia State. And to think the the Volunteers paid nearly a million dollars for the privilege of losing to that team. I know. How wonderful is that? It's happened uh. before, you know. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. yeah, these these, cu- these cupcake games that uh, they play in the NCAA aren't always they're always as uh, as lopsided as one might think. But no, no, everybody was talking about how on their on their Twitter account how they just went completely silent after they pulled with pulled within the two points. Uh, they pulled they went ahead by three two points. Uh, Tennessee went over by two, and then after that they didn't tweet again until the next day. <laughs> Yikes! Good job to the media team. You're fired. <laughs> So, yeah, um, you know, it's funny. A, a few bye weeks we've, we've actually had over the past little while, we've had something to talk about. Um, not much to talk about as far as news when it comes to the Alouettes. But uh, the plus side is, is uh, we, ha- we do have an interview this week, and it is one of the newest Alouettes. It is our newest uh, coach, our wide receiver coach, CFL superstar alum, Robert Gordon will be joining us in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Talk about his career, not only in the CFL, but uh, in the Arena Football League. And uh, it's very interesting stuff to find that we found out from him. So um, I mentioned it. I, I don't remember if I mentioned it to you on the pod or not. Was it a few? Uh, I, think, I think it was last week when we talked about how. Uh, no, it wasn't yet. No, we we're talking. No, we couldn't. We could have had a show yet. So let's talk about it first. Uh, the Alouettes, uh, speaking of a uh, former winnipeg blue bombers we happened to pick up a former winnipeg blue bomber wide receiver didn't we we sure did uh you, you want to talk about the alouettes uh, we're, we're at that point of the season now folks where teams are going to start slowly adding to their practice roster and they're starting to make those moves that pretty much show just how serious they are about being great cup contenders and the montreal alouettes were no exception uh picking up a uh, former winnipeg blue bomber a uh, former seattle seahawk Ugh. <laughs> and again, boy, sorry. You're just saying it because you're a Niners that, fan. I can't lie. I can't lie. It's going to be so hard to like this guy knowing that. But but no, we're, we're definitely very excited that the Alouettes have added um, former Blue Bomber receiver Chris Matthews to the lineup. Uh, again, I, I don't think I have to tell you just what kind of a playmaker he has the potential to be. Uh, he did start the season with the Blue Bombers, and unfortunately it hasn't quite caught on in uh, Bomberland, despite the fact that he made his bones out there. Uh, it's like when it came to starting a CFL career, uh, he did sign with the Calgary Stampeders last year and helped them win a great cup. So I think the idea was maybe he'd go back home and help the blue bombers finally break that curse, but uh, just didn't become a big part of the offense. So the uh, bombers decided to let him go last week and he was out of work for a whopping two days before the Alouettes decided last Friday to put pen to paper and bring Matthews on board. 
So this is uh, in a in a receiving core that's very talented already. Yeah. To be able to have that kind of depth being added to it, like tell you what, folks, that that's a sign that the Alouettes are serious. They they are no joke. They want to make you believe. They want to make you believe that this is going to be a Grey Cup contending team. And adding veteran presence like Chris Matthews definitely signifies that the Alouettes are in business and they're not screwing around. They they, they want to bring the, the championship here to Montreal. And it's moves like this that make everybody sit up and take notice. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, a guy with his pedigree, I mean, to be able to come here and, you know, I was going to ask you, and I don't think I did, is, is do you think that this is one move that the Alouettes would have made last year? And I know my answer. I'm curious to know what yours is. Mine's no. I don't think I, I don't think they would have made the move. And even if they did, it would have been laughed at, quite frankly, because just the way the dynamic of the team was last year, I think every time they even tried to make a, a somewhat relevant move, it would just be brushed aside because people would rather focus on the dumpster fire. But the fact that the dumpster fire has now been extinguished and now the Alouettes are being taken seriously, I, I think this just signifies to people that, oh, okay, well, <laughs> Montreal is stepping up. And again, I, I can't overstate the fact that we've got some really talented receivers already in the lineup. Now you add a Chris Matthews into the mix and – I tell you what, folks. Like this is the depth. These are the kind of depth moves that will help you win championships. That was definitely Calgary's thought last year because they had a, a pretty solid receiving core, and they still managed to find room for Chris Matthews there. He's got a great cup ring with the Calgary Stampeders logo. Could Lightning strike twice? Only time's going to tell. But I mean, this is again, this is a move that just shows just how serious the Alouettes are at contending, and they weren't done yet. Um, would this have been a move that the Owls would have done even if BJ had not been hurt? I think if BJ had not been hurt, I don't think they would have, they would have felt like they had to make that move. And again, it's, to me, it's not a matter of, well, we've lost a top quality receiver and we've got to replace him with top quality receiver because there's already top quality receivers on the team. You take a look at the work that, uh, Quan Bray, Jake Winecki, uh, Devere Posey, like these guys have been making moves. We've got some, some talented Canadian receivers like uh, Malcolm Carter. Yeah, uh, I mean, like th- th- this team definitely has no shortage of guys that can catch the ball. It's just a matter now of again, just making sure that God forbid someone else gets hurt and and goes out to injury, having that that sort of ace in the hole, and that's what Chris Matthews provides. I'm really curious to see how they're going to insert him into the lineup. I don't believe he's going to be in the lineup this Friday against the BC Lions. Yeah, that's what we've seen. Yeah, Herb Zerkowski had, had had mentioned that on social media so far this week. So um, is it a matter of finding him a spot or is – I'm wondering what – or is just getting used to the – oh, no, Herb says getting used to the playbook. Well, and that's that's obviously a, a concern as well. But I, I think a lot of it too will be just where do you slot him in? I mean, and who do you who do you sit down? Like who do you tell to grab a, grab a bench and – and parked a butt. Like I, like I can't imagine telling a guy like Quan Bray or Jake Winecki or Eugene Lewis. I can't imagine telling any of these guys to uh, take a step back for this, uh, albeit Grey Cup winning receiver. Yeah. So yeah, this is going to be part of the challenge: is where are you going to find a spot for Chris Matthews? But again, is, this this is the kind of move you have to make, and I'm really curious to see just how he's going to perform working alongside Vernon Adams and the rest of these receivers. Yeah. Um, and uh, obviously we'll, we'll come to what will happen next year once BJ is back or if he does return this year, I don't, I don't know. Um, but um, we obviously with us getting a new wide receiver, we had to figure out who we were going to lose. And I asked you this one after I heard about it and we found out today who the Alouettes released so that we could have him, uh, I guess who was going to be the odd man out, so to speak. And we found out that uh, today, didn't we? Yeah. It turns out uh, the odd man out was of course, another receiver makes sense to replace or if you're going to add a receiver, you're going to have to unfortunately let go of a receiver. And unfortunately, Zach Parker is uh, the odd man out. Uh, He's been on the practice roster. Uh, He had a pretty decent training camp and was added. Oh, I think it was a, a late cut. Then he was added back, and now unfortunately has been cut again to make room for Matthews. Uh, again, a uh, fine young player, but uh, again, when you have the opportunity to add someone with a, the pedigree of a Chris Matthews, then uh, 
yeah, you have to add him. And unfortunately, uh, this young man is uh, going to have to uh, be on the outside looking in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I know we didn't get it. We had a chance to, uh, unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to go to practice on Monday, which was uh, obviously was open to the public uh, for Labor Day. Um, just things didn't work out, even though even though it was raining. I said I wouldn't have cared. I would have gone anyways. Didn't care. Um, I mean, there's no lightning, so it's not like a, yeah, you know, exactly. Only, yeah, <laughs> we've only gotten like 15 minutes of practice and been told to left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, 15 minutes out of two hours. So uh, sorry, guys, you're done for the day. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, we'll catch another one. Uh, I got that print of mine in from, I don't remember whose name. Damn it. Uh, who did I get that print from? Because I, I, it was one of the prints that was on social media, and it was the one of Vernon Adams. Uh, yeah, that doesn't help. <laughs> um, it was. Isn't it by uh, Matthew Sharp? No, no, it is not. Oh, I'm no, sorry. by David O'Connor. Ah. It's by David O'Connor, and uh, it very along the same similar style of what uh, Matt Sharp does, but he had this gorgeous one of uh, Vernon Adams, and he orig- he just had his uh, a faux signature there of for Vernon, and uh, something that I need to. Uh, but once I get this the signature, I'll, I'll be posting it on social media and stuff like that. But I want to get Vernon to actually sign that off before I, I, uh, I, 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 I frame it and put it up in my. In my uh, in my broadcasting room, mm-hmm. so, which happens to be my living room. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not like Piffles, and we're not like BC Lions Den, and we're not like the guys at Eskimo. What all these guys in the West, man? All these they all all this money? What the hell? <laughs> I know that people always, people in Alberta always talk about you know the equalization payments being made to Quebec. I'm like, I don't see any of that money. Yeah, I don't either, man. Where, where, where's where's my taping room? Where's, yeah. <laughs> Where's our turf tur- district? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I got that and I'm very happy to, the print's gorgeous. It's a 16 by 16 print, I think. So it's, it looks uh, really, really nice. So um, uh, if you, ha- if you haven't go over and watch him uh, and follow him over on, uh, on, I think it's on Instagram and on Twitter, but uh, you can follow him, uh, follow him on Twitter. I'm looking for his thing right now. Uh, David S. O'Connor. There you uh, go. Yeah. So and, as, and again, a Canadian dude. So it's can't can't complain. Yeah, if you want to order a print of yourself, uh, by all means. And I'm pretty sure that uh, even if it does come with a faux signature, uh, I'm sure our our friend of the show, uh, Vernon Adams, would be more than happy to actually actually sign the print. So uh, yeah, you want to show the love to our our quarterback? That's the best way to do it. I just well, other than going out and buying his jersey, of course, but. Uh, yeah, it's a it's just a beautiful print, and uh, I'm I'm curious to see how it's going to look with uh, VA's actual signature on yeah, it for you. Exactly, exactly. Um, so we unless there's anything else, Cliff, we uh, where we can go and get to the interview with. Uh, uh, well, actually, there there is other one other transaction oh, that the Alwets made, please. and uh, one that I'm personally very excited about. Okay. Uh, you've heard this young man's name, I'm sure, a few times in the past here on the flight deck, uh, Dominique Termanson. Yes, I forgot about that one. You're right. Thanks for, uh, for thanks for jumping in. For those of you who did forget, uh, he was an undrafted uh, free agent signing with us in uh, in 2016. Uh, outstanding player. Uh, you know, he he's pretty much got his start here in Montreal. Uh, carved himself out a pretty solid uh, young career. Uh, decided to test free agency a year about a year ago and uh, went back home because he's from Vancouver, went back home to the BC Lions. Uh, just never quite caught on there, unfortunately. Uh, just uh, decided, uh, okay, he wanted to come back to Montreal because, you know, he went back home and uh, sometimes you can't go back home again. And uh, the Alouettes, I guess, realized that, uh, hey, we got practice roster spots opening up. Uh, can't have too many good, uh, talented defensive backs, especially if they're national players, yeah. like yeah. what Dominique is. So it okay. makes perfect sense to add him back into the fold. And I'm really excited to see him back uh, playing with the Alouettes. Uh, I'm sure it'll just be a matter of time because I know that secondary is a little crowded, but... Uh, if Dominique can come in and even just help out, like just uh, whether it be a defensive back, his natural position, or even filling in for safety, because now you've got Bola Combo, who's going to effectively be the starter, a national starter, no less, yep. in place of Taylor Loeffler. Uh, to have Dominique Tremanson come in and back up Bola Combo would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, we also know, too, uh, what a special teams demon Dominique can be. So uh, 
I, I'm really excited to see Dominique back in in the right colors and uh, back where, as far as I'm concerned, back where he belongs here in Montreal. So I'm. Yep. He just has to get a spot for him on the roster because he's currently on the practice roster, right? Yeah, and again, that's it's going to take time for him to get back to. Like obviously, he'll have to get get reacquainted with Montreal and also to learn in Bob Slowick's playbook. It's going to take a you know a little bit of time, but I feel confident that he's going to pick up things pretty quick and i'm sure it won't be it'll just be a matter of time before we see him back uh in uniform and back on the field here at uh, person muscle stadium exactly so as we mentioned before enough enough of the teasers we did speak with uh cfl alum and our newest coach uh, robert gordon we'll go and speak with him now and uh, when we get back we'll preview the upcoming matchup versus the bc lions on the line with us now is one of the newer members of the Alouettes coaching staff. He is here to make sure that all of our wide receivers do exactly what they need to do on the field in order to catch those balls and to get those touchdowns. Wide receivers coach Robert Gordon. Hey, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Hey, hey, bonjour, bonjour. <laughs> all right. Hitting us with the French. I <laughs> nice, love it. Nice. <laughs> I think he already got in, into the good graces coach with a lot of our fans. So we, we really appreciate that. I'm sure they do too. So, right. <laughs> um, for those of the, of the fans who haven't been following the CFL as long, I mean, you have had a very, uh, a very good football career, but also you are very well known in the CFL. I mean, uh, I think one of the most the biggest tenures of your of your career was in Winnipeg, so I'm sure there are a lot of Blue Bomber fans who will remember your name. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that we wanted to find out, though, first, though, Coach, is uh, when it came to football. I mean, we know you you went to uh, uh, Nebraska at Omaha. Um, mm-hmm. What what got you started uh, in your to, to play football, basically? Uh, you know, growing up, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, not too much going on in the Midwest. Uh, you know, the Cornhuskers were the big. You know, we don't have a pro team there. I think the closest is the Kansas City Chiefs. But going to the Cornhuskers um, was the biggest, uh, you know, um, college team there. I ended up going to Nebraska, Omaha, small school there. It doesn't have uh, any football anymore. So some of my records are still there. They can never be broken, which is nice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, that's great. But, uh, yeah, I started young. My dad put me in football, and I just did something that I grasped and um, it was something I did well in high school and got to the championship in, co- in high school. And then uh, I was local and I went to Nebraska Omaha and I actually played defensive back and running back in uh, high school. And when I got to college, the, the, they needed a receiver. One, a guy was ineligible. And I raised my hand to try it. And I actually just, I started four years at Division two school uh, learning a new position. And uh, I, you know, when I got to college, guys had mustaches and they were older, you know, from high school, and I didn't want to play running back. <laughs> they just looked huge to me. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to try this uh, this wide receiver position out here. You know, only one guy might hit me. So uh, that's where it started in college, you know, kept on going from there. And uh, here we are talking. And I just love that I was able to, my dad was able to get me into it. And uh, it was just something I, I excelled at. But well, we have seen so we've seen players here in the CFL where they have been uh, a, a quarterback in, in youth sports and whatnot. And then they make the, mm-hmm. the transition over to be to being a wide receiver. How was it? How was the transition to from, from becoming a, a a running back to a wide receiver? Was it something that was easy for you to to get used to, or was it, did it take a little bit of a learning curve? It, it was a learning curve because well, it was it wasn't easy, but it was a learning curve real quick because I. I played as a freshman, right. you know, and um, just, just you know, running and catching. You know, we played, you know, in, in the States, you play football at a young age. You know, I probably started when I was eight or nine years old. So you've been playing that game, you know, most of your life. So, you know, the transition was easy. It was just the guys were older, bigger, stronger, faster, <laughs> you know, and uh, which made me faster because I didn't want to get hit. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> um, it was just something that I was blessed to uh, have. You know, my parents gave me ability and, genetics to uh and the, and the work ethic to uh to excel at it cliff okay uh coach what when you came time to get your professional career underway uh what drew you to the cfl more than anything else um the pittsburgh steelers when they asked me to go on practice roster um i was i was just, you know coming from a small school and going as a free agent um back then practice roster didn't make much and the, i went to the pittsburgh steelers and I came, I got a call from Ottawa and I came up and I was on the practice roster for a minute and then I played my first game and I just fell in love with the game. 
um, just the, the movements of the receivers and, and the big field. And I remember I left and went to the Buffalo Bills, and I was asked to do practice roster again. And that was in 94 when they, um, you know, went to the Super Bowl, you know, for the fourth time. Well, they weren't going to change their roster. So I, did, I really was like, I'm a competitor, so I wanted to, to play. And I knew that this game up here, I, I could probably excel at. And I just loved the, the way the game was laid out, the three downs. I was a punt returner, kick returner, and played receiver. And I, I just fell in love with the CFL game. Beautiful. And the nickname Flash, obviously, do your incredible speed. Uh, <laughs> I tell you what, uh, just checking out some of your highlights recently and just the way the, the game moved for you, it just it's almost seemed like everything slowed down but for you. And are you starting mm-hmm. to see a lot of that more now with the uh, with the receivers that you've got in uh, like the Alouettes lineup and what you see currently on the field in 2019? Or do you think it's still about the same? Like the game is still being played more or less at the same speed? It's, um, you know, when I got here, I thought like, you know, I've been out of the game so long. I'm 51 years old. But, you know, there's one thing that keeps me going is um, and just to know the speed of the game. My guys, I, I uh, Kahari and I throw before each game and I run routes. I actually put cleats on. <laughs> so it's, nice. uh, <laughs> but I get a, yeah. So we do that every game day and just relive our memories of playing together and we can still do it. And, and my receivers see me moving around. So when I tell them to come off the ball and catch the ball and come out of your breaks and I'm actually out there doing it. So we, we have fun with that. You know, my knees are sore sometimes after ice after, but you know, these guys nowadays are bigger and stronger and you know, they're fast. They're real fast. And, uh, the game is the same. It's, you know, it's, it's evolved doing different plays and different angles, but it's, you know, it's, it's catching the ball, you know, you're running routes and catching the ball and, and you're going against defenders and setting them up and, and reading the defense and, and it's, it's, it's football. And uh, I just try to give my experience to these guys. Um, I don't say a lot, lot, but when I, when I do talk, they listen and that's what I like that they're coachable and they're professionals. I just try to teach you know, keep it, teach them to be professionals and, and let's let the game come to them. As they get it, it will slow down for them. And as you see, our receivers are doing a great job um, here and just, you know, um, really connecting with Vernon out there on the field. And I'm just so excited for these last nine games that we're going into that we're going to make some, uh, you know, the CFL, we're going to make some big plays and put ourselves in a position to uh, get to that great cup. I'm sure you're happy, though, because you're saying your knees hurt after doing a, a little bit of throw around uh, before the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. I'm sure your knees are a lot better than they would be playing on that old turf over at Winnipeg Stadium, though. I mean, the turf back then was just oh. absolutely horrible, wasn't it? Oh, right. oh, oh my God. It was carpet, with, you know, with, uh, I don't know, it was just like laying carpet over cement. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know? God. The only thing I thought was it was really, I felt really fast on it, you know, but you didn't want to land on it, yeah. <laughs> you know? I tell these guys now, I said, they got this uh, rubber, these rubber fields over here with the, the rubber in it. I said, I could play, you know, five more years, you know, uh, <laughs> I kid with the guys. But, uh, yeah, turf burns were real back then. <laughs> um, we were ta- you're talking about your, your, your history. So for those who don't know, I mean, you're with Ottawa, Toronto, BC, the Ottawa again, Edmonton Eskimos. But then you did something different in, in your career. You, you, want, you kind of looked, uh, looked uh, south of the border. And you went ahead and tried mm-hmm. a little bit of the indoor variety of football when you went over to the Arena Football League. Uh, you did it with the Orlando mm-hmm. Predators, uh, the Detroit Fury, and also, lastly, the, uh, the Los Angeles Avengers back in 05. One thing mm-hmm. I wanted to point yeah. out to the fans, and this is what I said before at the beginning of the, of the interview, Coach, is that I want, the, I want our, our fans to know how dedicated you are to this game and how proud they should be that you are here as our wide receivers coach. So back in 2001, when you were not only with the, the, the uh, with the Detroit Fury, but also you were still under contract with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. In 2001, and Cliff, I, I updated this number here, so this is something you'll find out too. In 2001, you played, including um, uh, including the preseason games in the Arena League. You played 31 games that year in 2001. How wow. in the world, Coach, <laughs> did you do that? Because basically, you you were there from training camp from uh, February 2001 all the way through the Grey Cup that year that you went to in November of 2001. How did you? How were you able to keep your body in such top shape? Wow. Well, first of all, I didn't know it was that many games. I never really counted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was a lot of games. Um, one thing one thing I pride myself in was my off season work and and. Um, getting me prepared for the season. And you know what? You take care of your body. And that's what you have to do when you're playing this, this game of football because it's a brutal sport. It's yeah. really physical. 
And, you know, I was blessed not to have too many injuries. I, um, I just, I just protected myself as much as I could, but I, and I had fun. I played fast and hard. And, um, you know, I was just blessed that year to have coach Richie as my coach. Um, I, I practiced every practice, but I didn't practice when I got there. I scored two touchdowns my first time, uh, when I came back from the arena league, he's like, I go, coach, I'm tired. You know, I'm sorry. He's like, if you just do that, you don't have to practice as much, you know? So it was, <laughs> it was just great <laughs> for him being my coach and, you know, and having, you know, a great quarterback and great teammates with Mill Stiegel and Kahari Jones and the rest of the guys. And we just gelled as um, veterans and uh, knew what we had to do when it was game time. And, um, you know, that year we, we fell short, uh, coming out here to Montreal, losing in the, in the Grey Cup. But uh, what fond memories I have of that. How were you able to make the transition? Because I know, as I said, you played in the Arena League back in 98, and you continued from there. But how were you able to make the transition as a football player? Because for those who don't know, the Arena League game is very similar to what the CFL game is. I mean, you have the forward motion, mm-hmm. you got the waggle. Um, but how were you able to, to uh, basically play um, these games as well as you did? Because in, I think, 2001 was your best year ever. Uh, with the Detroit Fury, so mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, shoot, I remember I played. I had like forty-two touchdowns that year. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, the game is so fast there. It's just a, you know it's a fifty-yard field. Um, everything's a little more vertical. I was a motion guy where the quarterback would go off my motion when I got to the line of scrimmage. I was going full speed at a DB, and I just you know getting in with my quarterback and and him throwing the ball and timing was what we had to do in that league. And it was a bit of an adjustment, but I tell you the real adjustment was me coming back to the, to the uh, CFL and Mm -hmm. seeing, I'm like, I'm coming from a 50 yard field and all of a sudden I'm on this big field. (laughs) I'm like, Whoa. (laughs) I told Milt, I said, Hey, I'm going to run the out and get the first downs over here. You run all the way down there and score the touchdown. (laughs) Cause I tell you, after you come off that small field and you go onto the big field, it's like, wow, look at that, you know? And, and, uh, but you know, I had fun with it. I was so blessed to be able to go down and do that. Cause I think at the time I was around 27 and, Usually guys could go, I think you could sign with the NFL team until I think March or something. And, you know, I was too old to do that. They weren't going to take an old, old, old guy. So um, they actually let me go. And, and uh, you know, we, back then we had a handshake deal back in the CFL. And I told them I would come back just to release me and let me go um, make a little more money. And then I, I came back and uh, I think I was one of the first, me and Arkel True Luck. And, mm-hmm. you know, there we were, you know, it was just a fun thing to do. And I was, I was so glad I was able to do that. And, Yes, it wasn't easy, but uh, and I didn't know it was thirty-one games. I never counted them, yeah. man. But uh, well, thank you for I, that stat. I uh, think I think in two thousand two you went back to play for the Fury, but you got hurt four games in, um, and that also mm-hmm. that delayed your return also to this to the to the Blue Bombers also because oh. because you were hurt. Um, had yeah. you had you planned on doing the exact same thing again in two thousand two, playing Arena League first and then playing back with, with Winnipeg? Or it oh was, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know what? I broke my arm. My actually my humorous bone. Nothing funny about that. But I actually broke my arm on the hard field there. <laughs> and uh, I came up and I think the second game I threw the pad off my arm and I broke my arm again in the same year. And in, in, in the same place where you think it'd be stronger oh uh, in Winnipeg. And uh, I don't know. You know, I had done a, a football movie by then, uh, Any Given Sunday. And uh, I was doing things, and, you know, I don't know if I was going to go back or not, but it was just great that I could do that and have that opportunity. Now, do you think, Coach, that uh, players today would be able to do this type of thing or because of with the way that it is with contracts and stuff like that, that you, you, you may be a rare breed of players who, who used to be able to play in two leagues in one year? Well, I mean, I mean, the money I was making then compared to the guys and what they're making now is, you know, they're making double what I was making probably, and they don't need to. You know, I did it because I, I wanted to make more money, and I was living in Canada, and I, you know, turned the money over to Canadian and make American money. So right. I did it financially and because, hey, I love the game of football. And to be able to play two different leagues was something that would, would intrigue me. And, and, you know, the first time I did it, Jay Gruden, who's the you know, Washington Redskins coach, yep. he's the one who called me the first time. And I was supposed to actually play with him because he's a quarterback, but he couldn't get out of his retirement. So we ended up actually winning the, you know, the Arena Bowl his first year in '98. So that's when I first started doing it. Yeah. Um, let's let's go ahead to, to your uh, to your coaching career. In, in 2014, uh, you're an assistant coach with the Omaha Mammoths of the XFFL. I think if I'm, if I'm saying that properly. 
Um, FXFL, yeah. Yep. And, and then just recently, and this is where uh, it's like, oh, where I, you know, I'd seen your name for the first time in quite a while. I heard that you were actually getting somewhat into the arena game where you were uh, named the head coach of the Shenyang Black Rhinos of the China uh, Arena Football League. Um, how, how was your experience? I know you they didn't play a game that season, but how was your experience uh, with, uh, I guess, being with the CAFL and then obviously being with Omaha before uh, help you make, uh, mold you into the uh, coach you are today? Well, uh, first I got a, the, in the FXFL, the Omaha Mammoths was my head coach, uh, Sandy Buddha, actually gave me a call and asked me to come help him out uh, with this new league. And that's where I got my first coaching stint. Um, it was cool. Like, I know you, you know the guy, Darrell Walker, and mm-hmm. a couple other guys. They were actually on my team, and I told them to come up here because they'd be great for this league, and I'm so happy that, I, you know, that I'm, they're having great careers. Um, that's what started me off. Um, I got a call from, and when you talk about relationships, um, a, a guy named Derek Branch came to, uh, when I played in Toronto yes. with the Argos, uh, he came from the 49ers. He was a good receiver, and the guys on my team, he was like, when a guy comes to a new job and he's threatening your job, you know, some people don't want to help. <laughs> so uh, he remembered that I was one of the guys that helped him out as far as knowing the plays and getting acclimated and, and getting into the starting lineup. And uh, he told me that. And he's like, I thought about you the first time because uh, he, he hired me over in China. Okay. And so I go back to saying good relationships with Derek Branch for helping him out back then. And I ended up going over there being the head coach and we never got started, but I did do two combines in, in, uh, in China. And I tell you what, there's a lot of speed over there. A lot, a lot of guys can run. It's just, it's a different game for them. You had 11 Americans, 11 Chinese guys, and, and they were playing arena ball. And I never got the opportunity. They, they stopped the league for a year and I think they're starting back and they, they called me, but I told them I'm here trying to get a great cup with the Montreal Alouettes. So, uh, that's where I am with that. That's what we like to hear, right, Cliff? That's what we love to hear. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's, that's the kind of talk we want to hear from our coaching staff exactly. and the players, everybody involved with the Alouettes. Exactly. Um, how did you, how'd you yeah. end up uh, getting here in Montreal? What, was it because of Kahari or was it uh, just well, circumstance that happens that, they, that he was uh, the assistant coach at that time? It, and, and once again, it goes back to relationships. He's uh, one of my best friends, Kahari Jones. Uh, you know, we had a great time together in Winnipeg and success, and we always kept in touch. And I always said, man, if you ever get a head coaching job, uh, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, 10 years, 15 years later, I don't know when, but, I, you know, I talked to him and Milt every year because they're up here. I'm down in Florida, and uh, it was great to, you know, just talk to them, and, and I follow them the whole time of their careers. And just very proud of those two guys that, that um, I had success with on the field and off the field with. Uh, he called me up, and you know, here I am. He was asking me to come up and help him out, and and uh, he's doing such a great job. I'm I'm so glad to support him and and to bring wins to the city that you know we lost a great cup in, and we said, hey, wouldn't it be cool that we won a great cup together uh, as coaches because we didn't do it as players, and and that's our goal is to uh, bring a great cup back to this city um, as coaches and former players from you know when we played here, and I think it was 2001. Wow, that's cool. That really is cool. Cliff, go ahead. Uh, Talk a little bit more about uh, the relationship with Kahari. I mean, obviously, it sounds like you guys have known each other for a long time, not just as uh, players, but also and and teammates, but also as friends, which is always a great. uh, uh, It's always it's always great to hear stuff like that. Uh, Talk about Kahari as a coach, like just. From what we've seen, like as fans, from what we see from these little videos that they put online of his, his speeches at, before and after the game, and you can't help but get hyped up by what uh, Coach Jones <laughs> says. I mean, yeah. how is how how's it been just being a part of that? Just to be in the room with him when he's giving those speeches, and you know where it's coming from. Like, just take right. us as fans through that experience. You know what? At times we laugh because uh, I like have to remind him, like you. Car, you're the head coach. <laughs> and uh, I think with me being around and the way we used to win and how we went on a winning streak and had so much fun um, um, winning on the field, and here we are as coaches. Uh, he says he, he stays hyped up. He, he, the players love him. The coaches love him. He's, he's such a good guy, good person, and a motivator. And that's what you want. You know I mean, you, you want a coach that you'll run through the wall for, you know, and uh, he's that guy, you know. Uh, he's not stiff. He's dancing out there. He's jumping around and 
I tell him sometimes, like, Kai, Kai, you're on, you're on camera. He's dancing. He's like, oh, so, you know. But... <laughs> I'm like his reminder. I think he just brought me up here to remind him. <laughs> you got you to keep him in check. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you, the players feed off that. And when you can keep a room loose and, and guys loose with a, with a game that is so hard to play with uh, so many guys on the field, when you can keep those guys loose and just go out there and, and, and let them use their talents to the best of their abilities and, and have fun with it. Um, they think good things are going to happen, you know. So he's that guy that uh, is bringing that out in each and every player and us coaches. And uh, I'm just so blessed and, and glad that, you know, my friend has me up here and I'm helping and, and that we can just really bring something special to the city. That's awesome. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your uh, receiving core now. I uh, know a lot of these guys, we already know what they bring to the table, but uh, – in, in working with these guys, who would you say has been the most pleasant surprise as far as how they've played this season? Um, well, I, you know, we have a couple veterans on the team. Uh, Posey um, was, was hurt, and then he came off and had a monster game um, when he came out of with being hurt. Um, but the guy who's been jumping all over the place has been Gino. <laughs> uh, number 87, he's been, he's been just making plays left and right. And I came up here and didn't really know these guys because I'd been out of the game. So I wasn't here for training camp. I wasn't here for the first game. I, um, when I came in, I didn't know any of the guys. And, you know, just seeing them on the field and talking to them individually, I think is really where I noticed uh, the professionalism and, and just showing them little things. But Gino Smith has been the one that guy, guys that have just uh, really stood out. And uh, we have, uh, you know, other guys too. But you know what? I'll tell you different guys as we go along the way because they're all great athletes. You know, they're all great athletes. So Quan is good and – and we have a young Canadian, Kayon. He he's going to be nice, and Malcolm, and and uh, all these guys. Jake, Jake is doing his thing. So I could talk forever about all these guys because they're not only a good character and good group of guys and very coachable, which is which is what you want. Um, but they're a great talent, and you're going to see some special things from this receiving core. They they're just their ceiling is so high. They're just getting some some things done. They're 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 not an old group. They're it's mixed ages, and, and these next year, next few games, you're going to see something special from these guys. I'm so excited to, to, to help them out and be a part of it because uh, they're, they're really connecting with Vernon, and it's really about your relationships and being on the same page and getting that look and in the huddle and, 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 and practice, and all that comes out. And I, I'm so excited these last few games to uh, see everything come out, and you're going to see some special special guys. That's that's what we're hoping for. Did did uh, did Coach Kahari have to tell them who you were, or did they, had they heard of you before, Coach? I, you know, I'm so old, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, uh, Mar- Mark Way, uh, he's one of our coaches, and you know, he started. You know, he's coaching, helping helping me out there, and he, yeah. you know, he played in Calgary, and he's got a great cup, and and uh, he played after. You know, I, I asked him, when was the last time? When did you start? You know, and it was probably four or five years after I. I had retired, so oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I, I think some of them Googled me or whatever, but, um, you know, like a coach, cause they see just how we are together on yeah. the field and throwing the ball around, and I'm sure they Googled or searched us, and uh, I don't know. I don't ask them, you know. I'm not that coach to say, back when I played, we did this, do that, you know. I, I'm not that guy, you know. I say, hey, if you would have made this cut here and came out of your break faster here, does that make sense? And when I hear – Yes, coach, that makes sense. Then that's all I need from them, okay. you know. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't get in. I would have did it this way. I would have did it. They ran it this way, you know. Even though I'm thinking that, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I just, you know, it's a it's a different generation nowadays. And you know, I have a 25 year old son, and I know how 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 the generation is. And I just want to connect with them and and bring the best um, best out of them, and and really get back to the game and them and. That's my goal, and I think if I do that, we can really do some special things here. Oh, that, that, that's what we're hoping for, Coach. Um, one thing we always do before we finish up our, our conversation with, uh, with our guests each week is we want to find out a little bit more you personally. I mean, we know what you've done in your career at football with the Arena League and through the CFL and through your new coaching career now, um, but we, we want to know about what you do when you are not Coach Gordon, when you're away from the, from the, from the field. So what do you <laughs> – what do you usually do, Coach, in your downtime? Once you know the the day is done, you finish looking at film. You've, all the players are are gone. You're at your apartment or your house. What do you do to just wind down at the end of the day? 
Um, wow. Have a beer? <laughs> no. <laughs> beer is good. Yeah. Just one. Yeah. Just one, guys. <laughs> uh, you know what? We are at the office a, a, a long time. And, uh, you know, I, I, Andre Bolduc, he was my former, he was one of my rookies, you know. Uh, we played together on a couple teams. And, and really, we're at the office so much, and we have so much fun at the office. Like, when I get home, I, you know, I'm sleeping. Um, okay. I, I don't speak. For, I watch some French TV a little bit just to just to hear it and I'll see some TSN, and then that's about it. I'm, I'm 51 now, guys. I, that's it, man. <laughs> you're, you're not out in the clubs getting turned. <laughs> no, I can't. Yeah, you know, I can't do that anymore, man. I, I got I got gray in my goatee. Well, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, we spent so much time there, and I love staying. You know, everything's there for us. You know, I have a locker there, a shower there, and we have TV, and you know, we're on our computers and we're talking and. Where we're just talking about the game, and yeah. I just love it. You know, Carolina just sit there and just all night long, you know, till eight o'clock at night from yeah. six in the morning, yeah. and it's you know it's something that we love, and we're you know who, you know guys will cut off their right left arm just just to do what we do, right. you know, and we know that that we're blessed to do it. So actually, no, fellas, when I get home, it, it's a beer, and I'm I'm in bed. <laughs> what about uh, what about any t- any of the I know we I know you've been to Montreal before with your through your career, but what uh, mm-hmm. what uh, what places are special to you? Whether it be eating places or whether just a place that when you are not sleeping, what, any particular place that you that you have okay. to go to? I could tell you what I really like. I really like riding the metro. <laughs> really? I uh, we don't I don't have that in Florida, and okay. I never had that in Nebraska. Right, so yeah. it's new to me that all these people get on and. I think one day I just kept riding it. I didn't know where I was at. I just kept getting off on stops. And, and, and I love the people watch. I love the people watch. So I, I would do that. Um, I go to La Caze. I think La Caze. La Caze? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I go to that. Um, I think when I first got here, I was at the Candlewood uh, Hotel and Suites. And I I think there was a music, there was a concert every night this summer. So I uh, I walked around there. That was, that was uh, kind of nice. I didn't know they had concerts all summer in montreal but wow you guys really do it up here yeah it's, it's pretty awesome yeah it was awesome and obviously there's one more food related question and cliff i i asked it last time mm-hmm. you're gonna have to ask it this time go ahead and ask ask the coach the question we ask everybody all right as you may or may not know rob uh our our dish of choice here in in montreal and throughout quebec is puts in have you had a chance to try puts in and if you have are you a fan or not well when i was younger and I started out in Ottawa. I had it before, and I, I liked it. And but as I get older, and as I've gained weight, <laughs> <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Co- Coach is going to have I that uh, that for that light poutine every day. That light poutine. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't be if I had it all the time. I wouldn't be able to run around with Kari and, and before the games. So uh, I have it every now and then, and, and uh, you know, of course, it's a great dish, but. Uh, it's not something that I'll eat every day or a lot of times a week. Uh, but, yeah, it, it is pretty delish. No, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree with you. There you go. Yeah. Moderation is key. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. There you go, my man. Exactly. <laughs> like that one beer. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cliff, yeah. go ahead and, and uh, take us home, my friend. All right. Well, Coach Gordon, you, you said it all. I mean, you, you came on here, you, you knocked it out of the park, uh, learned a lot, which is fantastic. And yeah. we couldn't be more excited about having you on on the staff and just where this team is going right now. It's, you can't help but feel energized and excited here in Montreal, just to, just to know where the Alouettes are going. And knowing that you're a big part of it, it fills us with confidence, knowing that this is going to happen. Like something big is going to be happening and everybody's just got to be a part of it. So for you to come on board and to just help make these receivers, we knew they were good, but to help make them into the quality receivers that they are now, knowing that you've been a big part of that is fantastic. And we can't thank you enough so much for joining us this evening. And uh, really quick, uh, before you head on off, uh, if you're on social media, feel free to plug where we can find you. Well, not really. Um, so I guess Facebook. Okay. <laughs> All right, there you go. I'm That's- an old guy. Well, my son told me, he's like, Dad, you can't do Snapchat. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't buy those van shoes. You can't. <laughs> I try to be cool, but my, my kid, he, he tells me I'm not that cool. 
<laughs> you know, hey, I tried to get an Instagram. He's like, yeah, you don't need to be on Instagram. <laughs> so, but uh, well, anybody needs me, just reach me at the offices of the Montreal Alouettes, and uh, I'll be happy to talk. <laughs> Perfect. Well, there you and, go. Uh, I just like to say, guys, hey, really, thank you for like having me, and, and just um, I really appreciate you guys knowing my history. Um, it really means a lot to me. Um, it means so much to me giving back to this game that's given me so much. And uh, guys like you that really make it make it all worth it and fans make it all worth the, the pain and the agony and the wins and the losses and what I put my body through to really get the recognition. And I tell you guys, I'm just trying to get back to the game, get back to these young guys and uh, uh, and get that winning feeling back here in the championship here. And you know what? I played so long in this league and I've never won a great cup. And why can't we do it this year? You know, you're absolutely Let's right. Do it. Why can't we? Exactly. Why not us? Why that's, not? that's exactly the attitude. These <laughs> why, guys. Not us? why not right? us? Now, we, right. We, we really appreciate your time, coach. And, and when we have a chance, uh, if we're able to see you either at practice or at post game, I'm sure I can speak on, on Cliff's behalf also that uh, we'll be, we'll be proud to come up and introduce us and to shake your hand. Please do. Please do, my man. Please do, guys. All, All right. right. Well, thank you very much, Coach. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a great one. Yep. And we'll, right. First we'll, beer's on me. All oh, right. Nice. <laughs> and, Done and, deal. And Done we'll, deal. One, yeah. And we'll uh, we'll see you on the on the sideline on Friday. All right. Au revoir. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. See you, guys. Bye. Uh, again, thanks for, for Coach for coming on the show this week. Um, a lot of insight on it doesn't matter what type of coach you are a cliff uh, each of them all seem to have their own their own interesting way of looking at things and it was cool to see how uh, uh, how coach Gordon was looking at uh, at this current edition of the Montreal Alouettes without question and just uh, really engaging really enjoyed uh, chatting with him uh, you can tell he he's really excited about everything that's happening here in Montreal and we're, I think we're just so happy that he's a part of it. And you see the work that's being done. I mean, you look at these receivers and how well they've played. Like, it's all about buying in. It's all about believing what the coach has to say. And that starts at the top with Kahari. And it trickles down to your coordinators, to your position coaches, and so on. And it's clear that uh, Coach Gordon has really reached and really connected with all of the receivers, I think. Because as far as I'm concerned, they're all doing a really good job. They were all pretty well on the same page. They're all working great with Vernon Adams and they're doing what they have to do. And it's been great. So once again, coach Gordon, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, definitely anytime you want to come back on the flight deck, you're definitely more than welcome to. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, it, also, and now we're leading into this week's game versus the, uh, versus the BC lions, the BC lions team that has only won one game on the one game this year. And that happened to be on the road this year. Um, but this is an Alouette's team so far the past couple of years where them coming off of a bye week, especially this year too, even though you know this team is a is is currently uh, above 500, uh, they are still winless in games after a bye, um, and they have also lost their last last sixth six post bye games. So um, I, I you know it, it seems to be a game of streaks too, you know. Owls will win five. So far, they've lost four currently to the to the BC Lions. Um, maybe we can stop that streak. Oh, sorry, it was four, four and four in the regular season. Uh, see if we can and stop that streak. And and again, and this is leading to my thought here, Cliff, on on what we never we actually didn't mention for the last game is you know we overall the Alouettes have had some pretty good you know pretty good games and pretty good history versus the, the BC Lions here in Montreal, except for the past couple of years. Like the Toronto game, could this game also be a trap game? And Tim, they're probably saying, well, Tim, you, you really got to bring this up again. Well, I think in this case, it's, it's very warranted that this could easily be considered another trap game. Mm-hmm. And it would be so easy to take the BC Lions lightly based on their record, based on the turmoil that's going on within their coaching staff. Uh, prime example would be uh, the offensive line, which has just been absolutely atrocious mm-hmm. in Vancouver this oh. year. And unfortunately, uh, the axe finally fell on uh, O-line coach uh, Brian Chu, former Montreal Alouette, by the way. Uh, unfortunately, he ends up being the sacrificial lamb as far as why this O-line just can't seem to keep their quarterback, Mike Riley, upright for very long. Uh, it's been a tough season for sure for the BC Lions, and uh, they've 
they've really got to get something going. And I'm, I'm sure they're, they're hoping history will be on their side because, yes, the past few games that they played Montreal have gone in their favor. But they're certainly not facing that same Montreal Alouettes team that they've known in years previous. I mean, this is definitely a very explosive, exciting team here in Montreal. And true to form. Don't be surprised if the Alouettes are down early in the first half and then come roaring back in the second half because that's been their modus operandi for the past. Well, pretty much every victory they've had this year has pretty much been like that. So I, I'm, I'm really curious to see how the team responds after being off for their last bye week. Uh, I obviously want to see them do well. I want to see them perform. Uh, but yeah, you cannot take this BC Lions team lightly. Like There's still some very talented players on this team for whatever reason, it's not working right now in BC, but I have to believe they, they're looking at the long game here. Like they're looking two, three years down the road, and hopefully this coaching staff, by and large, figures it out. They find a way to keep Mike Riley protected, keep him upright so maybe he can throw a touchdown or two, gets a, a couple of their players going, uh, guys like Brian Burnham and Deron Carter. Like they got to get going, they got to step things up as well. Uh, who knows? Maybe this is the game that they need. So Montreal definitely has to think that that the, the idea of this being a trap game, you can't avoid thinking like that. It's just it's it's going to it's, it's there. And considering, as you said, like just how Montreal performs coming off of bye week, typically, there's definitely cause for concern. But I I really want to believe that this is not the same Montreal team as in years previous and that they will have finally, finally figured out how to win following a bye week. Yes, it, it would it would be nice to see, and uh, I'm looking at some of the some of the different stats here that are currently available as far as what what happens. Um, uh, Montreal is currently a plus eight, and they're they're dead smack center in the middle of the league. Uh, BC is second to last in the league; they're at a minus nine, um, which is actually very interesting. The difference between the first four and the first five are very interesting, actually. Um, mm. I'm trying to see what else. And I think one of the big ones is, you know, the O-line in protecting Mike Riley is it, it's it been kind of atrocious this year. So it's, I'm trying to see what, what the, uh, what it is for sacks and they've given up a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's just a matter of trying to find out what it is, but, but still, um, but again, there are some, some things that the, that the owls need to do. I mean, it's again, as you said, the owls have, Right now, typically with this team, they started off slow and then they, they seem to be able to come back in the second half. I, I would like to see, we've seen a couple games this year of complete games. Um, I, I, I would love to see a complete game. Uh, you don't have to worry about having to come back from 10 or 12 down. Um, that would, to me, that would be the, 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 the best, the best thing that could happen. But I, I said that that's the only thing that I can really hope for is. Yeah, this, I, I agree. I, I think. Montreal has to start learning how to set the tone right away, like get the momentum on their side right from right from Jump Street and keep it throughout the entire game. I think we've only seen that maybe once this year. Uh, again, this the, the whole idea of the, these guys being the cardiac kids or or whatnot. I mean, that's all well and good, but uh, I'd like to see Montreal really truly be as dominant as we think they can be. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to see. Like we, we know what this defense does. We know how dangerous they are. The offense, once they get rolling, they're they're practically unstoppable. But I'd like to see that more of that right from the start and just right away set the tone. Like really just one or two touchdowns right off the bat and just put the opponents on their heels rather than trying to play up to them. Like yeah. rather than the opposition setting a benchmark and then it become the challenge of trying to beat that and then go past that, like which they did, for example, versus uh, Calgary and even versus Toronto, if you can imagine that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I'd like to see Montreal really, truly take control right off the bat and just not let it go. I, I would like to see Montreal really, really look like a contender. And I think they can do that. I think they've got the talent to do so. I think they've got the desire to do so. Uh, you, you heard from Coach Gordon. I mean, this this team is excited. This team is amped up to be a winner. They they believe in themselves. They've got something special here, and they want to show the world that. And I think it's time for them to really unequivocally show this the rest of the league. Yeah, this isn't this team is for real. Yeah. And a, a convincing win against the BC Lions and against Mike Riley. Let's not forget that yeah, Mike exactly. Riley is still- Mike Riley is still a very good quarterback. He's just yeah. Right now, 
in a very tough situation. But he's still producing. He's still making some plays happen. It's just, unfortunately, he's just stuck behind uh, just a terrible, terrible O-line. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, changing, changing the coach is going to help uh, eventually, but I don't think it's going to help this Friday. So, I mean, like, Here he's definitely going to be in for a tough night. BC has allowed 43 sacks, which is the, which is the, 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 they're the worst in the league so far. Um, Montreal has only made 13 sacks on the season, which puts them second to last next to BC's 11, which are last. The Alouettes have to step up to take advantage. Again, it's all, it's almost sacks allowed is two to one Montreal versus BC. But then again, as I saw, as you see, they've only given, they only have 13 sacks. So guys like, and guys like John Bowman and even Patrick levels. They, they've been stepping up trying to get more sacks, and they've got to be licking their chops at having to face Mike Riley and this, this O-line in BC. Or that, that weak side DB rush by uh, Greg Reed. That one, I think, from two weeks ago in uh, Touchdown Atlantic. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like the, all these guys on defense have to be – they're going to want to pad their stats this week, and this would be a good time to do it against this uh, BC team. But, again, you just you, you can't look past them no matter what. Uh, I mean, this 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 is a team that again can produce points, and they they've been close a couple of times. But by and large, I mean, as long as you get to the quarterback, as long as you set the rhythm right away, and just make Mike Riley as uncomfortable as possible, you've seen the results. We've been we've been watching it all season. I mean, uh, I mean, there's no good reason why Montreal can't perform at a high level right. against this BC Lions team. And as far as I'm concerned put together, a, I won't say statement win, but something that's a convincing enough victory that shows everybody, okay, we've really got to pay attention to Montreal because this is a scary, scary team. Yeah, again, this can't be a trap game. they, they got to come out, uh, show that there's no rust. Um, what's, and, and I think this is very indicative on on how, the, how things have changed so far in the CFL when it comes to the point spread. According to Five Dimes, Cliff, the Owls are uh, currently a seven and a half point favorite, uh, with an over under of fifty one and a half points. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and to me, that's I think that's pretty spot on. I'd say so. Yeah. I'd say that's about right. I mean, it's as I said, Montreal is not a dominant team, but they do find ways to win. Whereas BC, unfortunately, they've got a lot of talent, but they seem to find ways to lose. Yeah. So this, uh, as I said, this this has potential to be a good matchup, but. Uh, I, I definitely think that Montreal needs, as I said, set the tone early and don't take your foot off the gas pedal. There's like you gotta, you gotta beat these guys, and that's how you're gonna get everybody else to sit up and take notice. Because let's not forget, there's no more bye weeks after this. Like now, every game counts. As far as I'm concerned, you've got to go into the, this game and every other game for the rest of the season with that playoff mindset. Like you got to go in saying that, like like nothing is given to you. You've got to yeah. earn everything. And I think these guys have to realize that okay, we've we've gotten through the first part of the season, five and four. Nobody was expecting that. Nobody was expecting a lot of the things that have happened to the Montreal Alouettes this season. But they're not done yet. Like that, that playoff spot is not guaranteed. I, I mean, yes, I, I, I think uh, Hamilton's pretty well. It's going to sew up the division. I say with the next couple of weeks, if things go the way that they've still been going, Montreal is definitely in play to host a playoff game. Something else that people weren't expecting for 2019. But you gotta, you gotta make it clear. You, you still gotta set the tone and establish yourself. And I think these next few games, especially, are gonna be crucial in doing that for the Montreal West because it's not gonna be easy. They're playing Winnipeg twice, uh, going to Regina to play the Rough Riders, and you know that there's motivation yeah. there. Yeah, Calgary's coming here, and you know they're gonna be coming in pissed off at the fact that they lost in their house, and they'll have Bo Levi Mitchell back who. Clearly doesn't have any rust on him whatsoever, despite missing uh, no. the line the line share of the season. He no, looks like but he's. Me- but remember again, Bo Levi Montreal is one of the toughest places for Bo Levi to play in his career. That's true. He only has, I think, one victory, yeah. and that came last year against. Well, you saw the team that was here yeah. last year. Yeah, so, so again, that that again, nothing's guaranteed, but you still got to go out and you got to earn it, though. No, the, I think the other thing too that the, that fans need to watch too is William Stanbeck. He's had another week to to rest up. I'm curious to see how the Alouettes go with the how who's a, a who's going to start and how the how the distribution is going to be divvied up because I think I think they'll 
I think depending on who starts, obviously I think that person will get the most of the reps. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, especially what they've done over the past couple of games, uh, when both our running backs have been healthy, how they've split it up. So I'm curious to see what happens and, and see if see if Stampic is back to his uh, back to his bruising self. And I, again, I wouldn't be surprised if he was simply because it was around this time last year where William Stanback started getting more of the starts, getting more of the attention and starting to really make a name for himself. I think this is going to be, uh, I, I think this time off is, I, I want to believe it's motivated him. And I think he wants to come out swinging. I, I, once you've had a, a game of running 200 plus yards, you want another and another. And he hasn't had a chance to do that yet. And he, they sort of eased him into it very slowly in uh, in Moncton, getting him back into the uh, the lineup. Right. But, but I think with the bye week and, as you said, another a week to really make sure that he's rested up and healed from his injury, uh, I wouldn't be. I would not bet against seeing a breakout game yet again from William Stanback on Friday, and I've got no problem with that whatsoever. Yeah, we'll find out. Hey, don't forget that we are on social media. There are places that where you can find us. Uh, best place is probably heading over to our Twitter account. That's over at Alouette's FL Deck, or if you head over to our Facebook page, that's uh, just do a search for uh, for Alouette's Flight Deck. Also, we are on uh, when it comes to the entire archive of Alouette's Flight Deck Pod. You can find the uh, find us over at uh, www.alouettesflightdeck.ca, or you can head over to uh, to Google Play Music, or over to Apple Podcasts, or uh, or on Stitcher or Spotify. Um, Trying to think, was there anything else that came across wire that you wanted to, to mention before we finish up the show this week? Uh, just one thing I want to say is, how about those sweet uh, turf tradition? Uh uh, t-shirts they, and hats yeah, and they, logos. Yeah, they, they do look good. I will admit, they do look good in person from, from what we've seen. And obviously this week, the Owls and the Lions will be wearing theirs. Um, they are currently on sale at the boutique, uh, whether it be online or they will be on, uh, uh, I think, at the at – the, uh, they have to be at the store uh, at, at Stadium on Friday. Um, the only thing that I really want to say, Cliff, is by, you know, they, they are pretty sweet. But I think the, one of the few things I think that the league dropped the ball on was how the hell do you you promote some some pretty sweet CFL caps, and this is the C, the old retro CFL logo cap, but yet you're only going to give away ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot more than ten people who would be willing to go ahead and, and fork out anywhere but whether between thirty and forty dollars just just to pick up one of those sweet sweet lids, so, and I'm one of them. Uh, but, oh God, you can swing a dead cat and hit at least twenty CFL fans that would be more than willing to shell out their hard-earned money to get one of those CFL logo caps. A dead cat? <laughs> or something, anything. But <laughs> but again, I, I, it blows my mind that the league is so reluctant to make CFL-only gear I know. widely, and, and widely com- available. Yeah, this is the commission, I think, from two years ago. He said during the Alouettes, uh, I think it was the Alouettes' turn for the, um, you were there with me. Uh, yeah, the Randy's for, Road Trip. Yeah, Randy's Road Trip, where they said that they were going to putting out some more league-wide merch. Well, I understand why you don't have your own store, but as far as I know, the Alouettes, I think, are the only ones that have both the English and French versions of the current CFL logo cap. Yeah. I, I, maybe in Ottawa they might have it because that's the only other sort of bilingual city. But, yeah, I I just don't understand the reluctance to not sell these things. Like, why? Like I understand making a contest and getting fans engaged, but clearly there is a market for it. I mean, I, I've seen dozens of tweets from, I can from, just imagine what the odds are of winning one of these caps. Unless they're going to give away one per, per market, CFL city? one per market. Per market, yeah. But again, like, it, it just boggles my mind. Like, why not make it readily available? Clearly, people want to buy these. I don't know what the uh, the the reluctance is on on the part of the league to not sell CFL only merchandise, like like stuff that is exclusive to the league. Because there's a lot of fans too that don't have necessarily a favorite CFL team. They just love watching the league itself. Like, they love watching all the games and don't necessarily want to cheer on the team. They want to cheer on the league, which is something that you don't always see. Like, you don't see that in Major League Baseball, like, cheering just for baseball. You don't see that in – I'd say the CFL is one of the few leagues where it's you know, almost uh, worldly accepted to be a CFL-only fan, like, to yeah. be a fan just of the league itself. So, in which case – why not sell the merchandise? You know it's going to sell. I just don't. I just don't understand why they, why would they, why they wouldn't pull the trigger and just start selling CFL gear, like strictly CFL gear. I just, 
it's just something that I just can't seem to wrap my head around. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I don't get it either. But I guess unfortunately, it's the way that it is. And maybe they're putting more emphasis on the teams themselves to sell the merch. But whatevs, whatevs. So, as the kids say, whatevs. 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 Um, uh, Cliff, I will see you on Friday. I uh, hope uh, and everybody else who's going to be there. Uh, if you if you uh, uh, if you're going to be there, you can pop on by into our section, into section Y one. And uh, I'll be more than happy to say hey to you. Um, but if not, we hope to see you here next week here on the podcast. And uh, have a very safe week. So for everybody here at the Alouette's Flight Deck, for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. Run final approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.